from deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm Adam Schick. With football preparing for the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl against Michigan on New Year's Day, this week we turn our attention elsewhere in the Gator Nation, specifically basketball and volleyball. As Mike White's team gets into the thick of their non-conference slate, we'll get the latest scoop on the squad from Gator's own senior writer Chris Harry. And with Gator Volleyball heading to Austin, Texas to continue their run in the NCAA tournament, the voice of Florida Volleyball Tom Collette previews the Sweet 16 with head coach Mary Wise. Also, we'll give you a chance to test your knowledge of Florida basketball with a Gator Tales trivia challenge. But first, as many fans shift gears from football to basketball, the harsh reality will truly sink in that Billy Donovan is no longer patrolling the sidelines for the Gators. And if you think that's a big adjustment for you, Imagine what it's been like for the players who were recruited by Billy and expected, like most in Gator Nation, that he would be here forever. Count Devin Robinson among those who have been most affected by the change, and the sophomore told us his reaction when he found out that Billy D was heading to OKC. When I first heard the news, it was tough for me because I didn't expect to be a coaching change. Uh, when I committed here, I came here for Billy Donovan. It caught me by surprise because he told us uh, everything was going to be okay and then came out that he, he left. I mean, I was, I was kind of sad, but I knew I had to do what I had to do, and I knew when I talked to him, he was like, I'm going to put you in a position for you to still be successful, and I'm going to uh, get a coach for you guys that's going to help you do that. So uh, I still trusted him throughout the process, and um, after a while, I just accepted that we're going to have a new coach and just bought into the new guy that was brought in, and I happened to be Coach White. So, I mean, it, it was hard at first, but then I kind of adjusted. I got to know Coach White a little bit better, and then that was great. Was it important to maybe learn that lesson early on, that things can change very quickly that you have no control over? Definitely great to figure out this earlier than later in my career. Uh, luckily, I had one year under my belt with Coach Donovan, now possibly have three years this year, two other years with Coach White. It's great for change because you never know what can happen in life, and uh, it's a great life lesson as well. You have to get adjusted, and uh, you never know what can happen and when it can happen. So you just got to live life with an open mind and just be ready for anything. What's your relationship like at this point with Coach Donovan? Have you had a chance to talk to him at all since he's been gone, and, and how can he still help you in your career here? Uh, I haven't talked to him much. He uh, sent out a group text to everyone before the year started, have a great season, play hard, and uh, just be focused on the season and, and do your job and stuff like that. Things that he said when he was here, but I haven't really talked to him much. I, I bet you if I call him up right now, he'll answer. We can have a great conversation right now. So we still have a great relationship. You mentioned you came here to play for Coach Dom, and then obviously he moves on. So in the time since he's left, what else have you figured out about this program, about this place, that makes you know that you did come to Florida for the right reasons, not just for Billy Donovan? Basically what he just preached to us when he was here, talking about culture and the guys who are here in the past and just what Florida basketball is truly about. And last year as an immature freshman, I really didn't appreciate what was being given to me at first. But now as I look back on it, I should appreciate things more. And I notice now that University of Florida as a whole, it's a great program and has a lot of history and culture that should be upheld to the utmost high respect and be treated well. So now that I'm a sophomore, a year older, I respect the game and take every day not for granted like I did last year. People talk so much about the jump from your freshman year to your sophomore year. What have you felt like are the biggest changes for you in year one to year two? I think it's the, my approach to the game and uh, 
my maturity and mentality. Uh, last year I came in thinking everything was going to be easy, thinking I was going to come here and score 20 a game, and that definitely didn't happen. Reality really set in, and now I just know that I got to approach the game with a business-like mentality. It's not a game. You got to take it serious and just try to get better every day. And um, I think that's the difference between my freshman and sophomore year. What have you learned from Mike White and this new coaching staff that's helped you grow as a player? The thing I learned from Coach White and the other coach staff is that you have to affect the game in different ways when you're not scoring. I thought the game was all about scoring, and now it's other things I could do to help get the team wins. And uh, first it starts by playing hard every day and making the next teammate better. That's what I learned from this coaching staff. Looking at this coaching staff and how young they are, how much has that helped you guys on the court, the ability for the assistants to get out there and not just tell you what to do, but to physically show you what they want you to do? That helps a lot. I like how they are very hands-on when they're explaining things and they can actually go out there and perform what we can do. Like We can relate to them more because they're out there showing us, not just telling us what to do. And if we do it wrong, they'd be like, try to explain us again without actually showing us. And it's because I'm, I'm a visual learner and I like to see things for me to learn. So when they show me, I, I understand a lot better and it really helps me learn and add things to my game as well. What have they talked to you about in terms of the most important growth in your game? Where do you think you can continue to grow the most as a player? My competitiveness. They want me to compete every single time, every practice, every game. And I think my competitive nature uh, is still growing, but not where it needs to be, to be the, the ultimate competitor, as Coach Donovan would say. But I think that's what I need to grow in. That's what's growing daily. Fans love when you throw down huge dunks. I know you get hype in the O-Dome as well. What's been the most hype dunk of your career? Uh, it has to be the Missouri dunk. Uh, when I went down the lane and I dunked on the guy at Missouri, that has to be my highlight of my career so far. You get visions of it when you're driving down the court, ready to do it again? Yeah, always. Like I, like, I, I got to do this again, and it will happen soon. Among your teammates, who gets you the most hype? Which guys do you feed off of the most when you're out there? Brandon Francis. Uh, he has to be the hypest guy on the team, and he gets me going. He, he always tells me, D-Rob, go hard, go hard. Practice like you're a pro. Practice like you're a pro. Go hard every day. And he just gets me going because uh, I know I see the passion and the fire that he has and the love of the game that he has, and I feed off of that. I have such respect for people who appreciate the game and love the game as much as I do, and he, he just gets me going before, after, during the game. That's, that's my hype man right there. He's one of the young guys in this team. There's so many young guys on this team. What's that dynamic like trying to come together here as you enter a really tough stretch of the season? It's kind of good. We don't really have a significant leader. We all try to hold each other accountable and lead each other together, not like somebody just like, oh, do this, do that, but like try to build each other up and as a family and as a brotherhood to lead each other. So with a bunch of young guys, I mean, I consider myself a young guy still because I'm still growing and still trying to learn. But like all of us leading each other, it really helps and makes a good chemistry. What player at the next level do you look up to the most and maybe want to model your game after? I watch a lot of Paul George. I watch his game, the way he defends, the way he moves, and uh, his offensive game and just how he plays so aggressive. I want to get that in my game. Big-time guy just announced his retirement, Kobe Bryant. So I'll ask you, where does Kobe rank among the all-time greats in your mind? He's got to be top five to me. He's, he's up there with Jordan, Magic, Larry, Akeem. He's with the legends in, in my mind. How does your appreciation for the game sort of get molded by the more you see and, and the more that you play? 
in my era, I was watching the Kobe's and the, the Carmelos and the Kevin Durant's, and I see them relate to like the George Gerbins back in the day and how they played. Because I watch a lot of old school highlights, watching on NBA Hardwood Classics. I watch a lot of that to see how the game has changed and just show how people still going hard from back in the day to now and, and see how the game changing. And it just makes me appreciate the game a lot more because back in the day, they didn't really have the resources and things that we have. And the game is always changing, always evolving, trying to get better. So um, I just hope to be up there with one of those guys in the future. Come back to this team and where you guys are at. Where do you feel like this team needs to grow the most right now? I think we need to all get mentally tough when things start getting hard, not to point fingers, but take accountability for our own mistakes. And I think we need to just keep defending and just keep doing our own job. People want to uh, keep the uh, agendas out of our heads and just stay focused on what we need to do each and every night and focus on your job to uh, complete the task and come together as one. Time now for a Gator Tales Trivia Challenge. When Florida takes the court against Michigan State on Saturday, it'll mark the 16th time in program history that the Gators will take on the nation's top-ranked team. On the previous 15 occasions, Florida won twice. The question is, which two schools has Florida beaten? Email your answers to gatorspodcast at gmail.com or tweet them at gatorspodcast and one randomly selected listener will win a gift certificate to the online Gator Sports Shop, which should certainly help you with your holiday shopping. Moving on, after breezing through an extended homestand, the Gator basketball team is currently battling through their toughest week of non-conference action. Tuesday night saw a valiant effort come up short at Miami, and now the Gators are visiting the top-ranked Spartans of Michigan State. We sat down with Gator Zone senior writer Chris Harry to talk about this week in Gator Hoops and begin by discussing the action in Coral Gables. Obviously, like Angel Rodriguez was a big problem for the Gators here in Gainesville last year when he bombed in those five three-pointers and three in the last two minutes to stop Florida's 33-game home winning streak. And Sheldon McClellan was, was really good in this game in Gainesville last year. So you knew you had to deal with the guards, but this Miami team has some more size. They got a seven-footer. They got a 6'10 stretch four that makes threes. So they presented a lot of problems, but I tell you what, it was that backcourt of McClellan and Rodriguez that really got them going. I mean, McClellan can score from all directions. He certainly did against Florida from the get-go. Rodriguez, he's not just a great shooter. He's a really good change of pace guy and really sets up his players well. And Florida just didn't respond. I tell you what, the coaches are really disappointed. Miami came out and really threw the first punch, and it kind of set the Gators back a little bit. And, and definitely Kevin Robinson even spoke about that a little bit after the game. It was disappointing because it was their first road game. It was also their first game against a, a ranked team and a really good team since Purdue. And the mentality, Adam, in those two games was very similar. Kind of like, oh, these are good teams. And they kind of maybe gave them a little more respect than, than you probably should. And when you have players like in the front court on this team, Dorian Finney-Smith and Johnny Boone and Devin Robinson, you know, you give them the respect they deserve, but you probably got to take it to them a little more. And the problems with the guard play right now and the shooting woes are really starting to manifest themselves and it's no longer a trend it's a problem and it has to be fixed if the Gators are going to win some big games. You mentioned guard play and in that Purdue game and against Miami it seemed like every time Florida made a run the guards on the other side would make a big shot and all of a sudden the Florida run was quieted a little bit so it really emphasizes how important guard play is in this game. Absolutely and when you fall behind by eight, nine, ten points you know you got to make some three-pointers to start cutting into that lead and this team isn't making three-pointers it's making 29% 
shooting from three-point land right now. And the guards, if the four top wing players, and you're talking Kayvon Allen, you're talking about Devin Robinson, and you're talking about Brandon Francis Ramirez, these guys these guys are making a combined 21% from the three-point line. Shooting is supposed to be the guard strength. That's basic basketball. Mike White shook his head during the press conference. He goes, I swear we make shots. We're better shooters than this. He said, we're not a great shooting team, but we are better shooters than this. And I'm a practice all the time. I know they're better practice shooters than this, but something's happening in games, and they got to find a way to solve that because it's unsustainable in its current form right now. So how does Mike White and his staff diagnose that problem with shooting, and, and what's the answer to fix it going well, forward? Well, they're trying a whole bunch of different things. I mean, they, they stop practice in the middle and, and do shooting drills when they're tired. They stop practice in the middle and, and shoot free throws when they're tired. They've started a deal where they have managers calling out exactly what a player is from the floor that day, whether it's, hey, Brandon Francis Ramirez, you're two for seven right now, you know, just to put it in their heads a little bit and make them cognizant. I mean, there's not a whole lot of answers to it because it's like free throw shooting, Adam. You can't replicate duress and you can be only so good in practice, you got to start making shots in games. And again, these guys were really good shooters. Kevon Allen was a great scorer in the state of Arkansas, but I think he's finding out that when you're open in high school is different than when you're open in college. So you have to seize that opening right when you have it instead of maybe even a split second can make a big difference when you're talking about guys that can run and jump and are long like he's facing now. So the backcourt is struggling right now for Florida, but the frontcourt has been really the bright spot and what's been most consistent for him. Yeah, and when you talk about Dorian Finney-Smith, the fifth-year senior, he's really been consistent across the board, leading scorer, leading rebounder. He was leading assist guy going into the game the other night, tied with Casey Hill for the most assists on the team. Johnny Bunu has been a player the Gators expected him to be. He's been kind of that uh, defensive enforcer inside, and he's had a couple double-doubles. I think they'd like to see him uh, maintain a little more intensity, a little more ferociousness over the course of a 40-minute game. But uh, the real bright spot, I think, overall has been Devin Robinson. He's starting to play like the marquee prospect he was coming out of Virginia. I mean, he's 6'9", he's really long. And again, I think we spoke about this, Adam. They challenged him to be more of a force, to inject more of what he does into the game, specifically uh, in rebounding. And he's done that. He's been willing. He's probably been the most consistent player, probably on the team to date so far in terms of guys getting the most minutes. And he's really helped himself. I mean, everyone thought he was going to be an NBA prospect, and we didn't see that last year when he was averaging two and a half rebounds a game. Well, he's an NBA prospect now. He's showing up on some mock drafts. He's really helping himself. But they need more from backcourt guys. They probably need more from those frontcourt guys I just mentioned because, hell, they're going to Michigan State this week, and they're the number one team in the country. You mentioned Devin Robinson being much improved. What's the difference between Devin Robinson this year under Mike White compared to last year under Billy Donovan? They would tell Devin Robinson flat out last year, you know, we can't play you because you don't rebound. Who are you supposed to match up with against Kentucky? You're a 6'9 forward. You're supposed to be rebounding. And Devin Robinson went about his way and did what he could. The Mike White way hasn't been a whole lot different. They've challenged him just the same way Billy Donovan had. But I think it's the different, Adam, between being a, a freshman and being a sophomore and seeing how much better, how much uh, how much more accountability you have. And he's turned that on himself. And he's told me in a, in a, in a story I wrote about him in the preseason, you know, I was immature last year. It was all on me and, and you know he regretted not maybe performing better than he did and maybe not putting more into that you know when Billy Donovan was here. Uh, and to his credit he's up that side of his game. If people thought Miami was a challenge Michigan State's gonna really knock their socks off. The number <laughs> one team in the country Florida's got to go on the road there. Probably the biggest challenge they'll face all season. Yeah I tell you what I watched the Michigan State Louisville game last week and it was a real good game. I think part of that Big Ten ACC challenge and just seeing the Breslin Center and, and seeing the fans in there and their student section I was intimidated just by watching the game on television. So, again, Mike was asked about this after the Miami game Tuesday, and now what do you do? He goes, well, I mean, we have to play better. 
than this. I mean, it's because it's going to be really, really difficult going in there. And you're talking about guys. I mean, Travis Trice is still there. He's a terrific player. And this is a Final Four team from last year. You got Denzel Valentine. I mean, he's going to be a matchup problem for some guys. Again, another challenge. Tom Izzo's teams are renowned for being tough, hard-nosed, bang-you-on-the-glass kind of basketball teams that are in your face the whole game. Tuesday night at Miami, the, the, the Gators were out-rebounded on the offensive glass 10-1 to at halftime. I mean, you have no chance that way. I mean, especially if you're a team that's not shooting, you better grab some offensive rebounds. So this is a quick turnaround for this team, a near-impossible kind of task. Florida hasn't beaten a lot of number one-ranked teams in its history, so going up to Breslin Center, playing a team, I believe Michigan State has, has had two, I think Maryland Eastern Shore and New York Binghamton the last couple games, so they'll be laying in wait for a name opponent like the Gators coming in. Volleyball heavyweights will descend on Austin this weekend for the NCAA tournament as Florida will be joined by Wisconsin, UCLA, and Texas. This is remarkably the 23rd Sweet 16 appearance for Mary Wise and the Gators, and the voice of Florida Volleyball Tom Collette asked Coach Wise what advice she would give to herself if she could go back in time all the way to the beginning of her legendary career. Way back then when I uh, graduated from Purdue and I knew I wanted to go into college coaching, maybe the advice uh, that was actually given to me is understanding that in coaching it's about the relationships with people. And I learned that from the coach I played for. The X's and O's are important. Training is important. Scheduling, recruiting. But at the end of the day, it's about the relationships you have with players. And the best part about this job is those relationships are developed during the recruiting enhanced through their career, and then it goes to an even another level after they graduate. This 2015 Florida team is quite the team in terms of chemistry. Five seniors have to set the trend in terms of what goes on in the locker room and on the court. Speak for just a few minutes about those five seniors. Yeah, that's a lot of wins when you add up all of the victories that they have been a part of. And each one of them plays an important role for our team's success. And they've been through, you know, some real highs and some really tough lows, uh, including the, the five-set losses that have happened this year. But we would never have gotten to this point, the round of 16, had we not gone through the adversity we had before. This team had to really embrace being challenged the way we are. No matter no matter who we're playing, it's Florida's on the jersey. We're getting everybody's best shot. And teams in the past have known that. The difference, Tom, is now the talent gap is much less. There's so much parity in women's volleyball. So that when you're on the road and you get the home team's best shot, that's best shot's good enough to beat us. And it happened this year. But I think that allowed us to get through that biggest match of the year, Florida State, last weekend team that probably could have been easily a top 16 seed. They knocked us out two years ago. This time we got them and we advance. How did those early season trials prepare you for now into the round of 16? Well, those early matches were the reason why we were a top 16 seed because of the RPI. We finished uh, with one of the highest RPIs in the country because of the teams not only we played, but the teams we beat early on. And that wasn't the easiest of stretches. Jiva leaving to play with her national team. Then Mackenzie gets the concussion. Uh, Gabby, who's been in the first aid station all season, we just felt like we could never get a break. And then at the point where I think a real turning point for us is going to Lexington. 
And when we went to Kentucky and we played so well against a team that had beaten us at home on their home court and we played as as well as we've played all year, I think that was a, a real change for us. You mentioned the Florida State match in the round of 32. Now Florida moving on to the second weekend in NCAA play. What light turned on for Florida after the first set? The difference was Jeeva Raychek. Uh, the first time we played Florida State, and that's when she was gone, it was like she was going to make up for lost time. And she had that look in her eyes, that of which uh, it's a pretty special look. But when you see it in seniors, when they just refuse to lose, they're playing in a zone knowing that their time is coming to an end. And with the loss, it it is over. And she played so inspired. And I think the rest of the players fed off of that. Jiva is not a high emotional player, but because she was so driven, I really think it had such a huge effect on the entire team. Florida in the Austin region. First, just a, a note or two in terms of the teams in the region. I'm going to start with Wisconsin, the team we're playing. You're going to see maybe the best setter in NCAA women's volleyball history. She's that talented today. What makes her so special, Lauren Carlini, is her ability to locate. And her hitters, doesn't matter what the pass is like, she can nail it and does it with such elite athleticism, surrounded by great talent, great volleyball players. Wisconsin's on a roll, winning the 14 in a row, kind of found their voice early on after a couple setbacks in the preseason, and they have not done anything but steamrolled since then. They are a very talented team. In the other half of the the bracket that should be a really fun match to watch UCLA going through the great Pac-12 conference and real difference in in what they have with some young players stepping up for them in Texas on their home court now at full strength unlike when we played them I think that match could be very entertaining the block of Texas it will be very formidable what kind of a system does Wisconsin run Kelly's done a terrific job and has won everywhere along the way he's a Midwest guy and his team is going to play relentless defense they're libero comes from the same program that Taylor Unruh came out from. So you know that's Libero Factory in the Muncie area. And he has Midwest kids that are just gritty, hard-nosed, competitive, and they have played so well for Kelly. It's incredible what he has done just in his short time at Wisconsin. What does Florida have to accomplish in Austin to first beat Wisconsin and then looking ahead to either Texas or UCLA? Yeah, well, it's not easy to look any further than one of the best teams we'll have played all year in Wisconsin and talked a lot about why, because they're so good offensively, but don't forget what they do defensively. Um, they'll put pressure on you behind the service line. They're a very good blocking team. So really, it's a team with very few flaws, but they become special because of their quarterback. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Don't forget to submit your trivia answers to GatorsPodcast at gmail.com or tweet at GatorsPodcast and use those same outlets to reach out and let us know what you think of Gator Tales and what you'd like to hear coming up in the spring. Our next podcast will be available next Thursday, so make sure to subscribe to Gator Tales on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so you never miss an episode. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, thanking you again for joining us on Gator Tales.